So I always absolutely love it when I have the opportunity to share from God's Word. And, and I'm even more looking forward to it this morning because for the first time ever, I get the privilege of having my wife, Trisha, here with me to help share. And I think you're going to quickly see why it is that I love her so much because I think you will too. And, and a word of warning, though, if you see her run off stage real fast, she's probably throwing up because she's a little <laughs> nervous. So be gentle with her if you would. That would be appreciative. You know, because today we're going to continue in our message series throughout the book of Colossians. And we're in chapter 3 today where the Apostle Paul has some specific things to say about the roles of husbands and wives. And so we thought it would be a really good idea to have Trisha join me this morning for this. One, because she's going to be able to keep me honest with what I say in front of you. And two, because she is going to be able to offer a unique perspective and one that has good wisdom and insight to offer on this topic. And so I know that most of you probably know me, or, or at least to some degree you know who I am. But I imagine there's some in this room this morning that may not know my wife quite as well, or maybe you've never even met her. So I thought it would be a good idea to just take a few minutes at the beginning of this service just to uh, maybe share a little bit more about us. So I, I thought, Trisha, if you could just take like 20 or 25 minutes and share with them all the things that you love about me the most, this time will go by so fast. Well, as much as I would love to spend that much time talking about you, yes. Um, let's kind of stay focused here, and I'll just tell you a couple things about me, and then we can share a little bit about our journey together. Um, so those of you that don't know, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I have uh, three younger siblings. I am the oldest, two sisters and a brother. Uh, I have a degree from Davenport College um, in accounting, and so I've spent the last 20 years or so doing some type of accounting or book work. Yeah, and... And I've told you before from, from the stage that, that we met in junior high school. In fact, we met in junior high youth group. And, and although we were friends all throughout junior high and high school, we really didn't start dating until we both left for college. And, and based on this picture, I think you're going to see why she was so attracted to me. <laughs> right? I mean, who, would, who wouldn't be? Oh my goodness, it gets better. <laughs> Would, I wonder, do you remember where we went on our first date? I do remember. Um, we went to this little coffee house in East Grand Rapids called the Kava House. And, you know, that was back in the day before coffee houses were cool and they were on every corner. Um, so I remember you picked me up in an old Chevy Cavalier. And it was October, so it was a little, little chilly outside, and I climbed in, and you were like, oh, by the way, I don't have any heat in my car. So, being this, the kind and sweet person that he is, he said, here's a blanket. So, that's how I stayed warm. Yeah, that she thought I didn't have heat. I was just being sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then after uh, that, we decided to go to the movies, and we came out of the movies back into the parking lot and realized that this great Chevy Cavalier had a dead battery. <laughs> And, of course, it was a stick shift, so he was like, oh, great. One of us can just sit in the front seat, pop the clutch, and the other one can push the car through the parking lot. 
So again, being the kind and sweet person that he is, he sat in the front seat and popped the clutch, and I pushed the car across the parking lot. So, so, <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. In my defense, she didn't know how to drive a stick, so I had to be the one to pop the clutch in this. Uh, oh, my goodness. But anyway, that was the first of many fun and interesting dates throughout the two years that uh, led up to us being engaged. And, and this was our engagement <laughs> photo. As you can see, I just improved. <laughs> um, uh, I actually, after two years of being engaged, then we were married uh, just one, or no, we were, yeah, engaged for two years. No, no. dated two years, engaged one, and then we got married. It seems, it seems strange to think back now. I, was, I had just turned 21 years old, and she had was still 20 years old and this is this seems crazy but this was mm -hmm. this was it yes and so now we've been married for 22 years uh, I don't know how that's possible since I'm only 30 mm -hmm. but uh, we're, we're figuring it out <laughs> but at this point we have two uh, beautiful daughters Macy who will be 17 in a couple of weeks um, she's in band, theater, and show choir at school, and she's actually back in the tech booth running the lights this morning, which is pretty cool. And then we also have another daughter, Rory. She's 13. She loves, loves animals and music. She plays the drums, so it's very loud in our house at times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's part of the Norwalk Performing Arts Theater, and she's also on student council at school. And she is also serving upstairs as a jam leader this morning. So we all got to ride to church together. It was kind of fun. <laughs> First time in forever. Yeah. And then, of course, we have our third daughter, which is Josie. Mm -hmm. I think we have... There uh, she is. And she is yeah. way more spoiled than the other two. <laughs> By yes. far. Yes, she is. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to give too much more away about us, for one, because... I'm going to need more material for when I teach again, and so we don't want to share too much more. But uh, today, we're going to dig into to some of what Paul has to say to the Colossians and to all of us about our roles as husbands and wives. And honestly, I'm here to tell you this. This is not the easiest topic to talk about, because we want to be honest with you about these verses in Colossians and even our struggles with them even theologically, and, and, that, and that is not to say that we don't 100% believe what Paul has to say here is true. We do, but we struggle with this because there's some concepts in these verses that might make us feel a little uncomfortable. They even challenge some of our modern day thinking. And we also, we, we also want to make sure that we're honest with you on how we can practically live some of these things out in, in our own lives, and in our own marriages, and that can be hard too. So we're not up here as experts. We are up here as fellow strugglers and, and learners, and so we are in this together this morning, and I hope you know that. One group I want to acknowledge, though, before we really dive in, and that is a group of people who are here, and you might be thinking this morning, great, here we go again with another marriage relationship message. I'm young, I'm single, I'm widowed, I'm divorced. This is going to have nothing to do with me. Why do I have to sit through this again? And I'm telling you, if that is you, we want you to know that we are grateful that you are here with us because 
because it is clear that you have so much to offer. In fact, Paul, in other letters that he writes in the New Testament, he addresses singles specifically and the blessings that they can bring. He also, Paul was single himself, so he knows what he's talking about in this area. And so we want you to know that, that we're glad you're here, and, and hopefully what we have to say on marriage and relationships will in some way either equip you if, if that is something that God leads you into later, or that, that it, we will better equip you to help come around and encourage some of your other family and friends who are married that you can support in that way. Yeah, and as um, you know, I was thinking about this, we personally know three people come to mind, three special people um, that have been a huge impact on our family, and not only our family, but the church family as well. And they're here at the Norwalk campus. Uh, one of those ladies, her name is Diane, and Diane faithfully spends time praying for our family as well as the chapel family. She covers this church in prayers. And about once a month or so, we get a letter in the mail from her, and it has her prayers written down and some scripture so we can read through and um, just pray her prayers, you know, together. And so we actually just got one in the, in the mail this week, so I just wanted to share a little part of that with you. Uh, she says, thank you for choosing us. May we reach out to you, God. May you, God, live in us. Fill us with yourself. We choose to follow you. We want to be set apart doing your work. Give us your strength each and every day as we focus on the calling you've been given to us. I mean, how great is that? Mm -hmm. I love seeing her cards come through the mail. And then another lady I'm thinking of, her name is Jan. And Jan is gifted with words of encouragement. She spends her time writing, handwriting letters and sending them in the mail to people that need encouragement. And maybe even some of you in this room have gotten one from her. She, she has a great gift for that. And then the third person I'm thinking about is Carrie. Um, I get to serve regularly with Carrie back in the kids' celebration. And she is amazing. She dedicates her time to those kids. And not only to those kids, but also our special needs kids. And that is amazing because those parents can come in here and they can worship and they can learn knowing that their children are in very capable hands. So uh, we're grateful. And if that's you today in this room, a special thank you for all that you bring to the table when it comes to relationships and encouraging others in their relationships. In this passage we're looking at in Colossians today, however, Paul's addressing a specific group. He's addressing those husbands and those wives. And, and he addresses wives first. And so please don't tune out on me on this because he begins hitting it really hard in, in Colossians 3.18. And he says this to wives. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. I know this can be an uncomfortable verse to read. It feels a little old school. I mean, we're, we live in the 21st century. We've come so far as a society. We fight for the rights and for the equality of women, and that is a good, good thing. And reading this verse, I can see sometimes it makes us feel a little uncomfortable. It makes us feel a little insulted or like it's irrelevant to, to where we're at in this life. But, and honestly, I've heard men joke about this verse. 
I've heard men joke that, uh, about their wives submitting to them, and I'm telling you that those jokes are not funny. I make me angry. Because when a husband is joking with his wife about such a topic as this that is so important and so serious, it doesn't drive our wives to, to, to love and, and flourish. It doesn't do that at all. And so the maybe, the reason that wives have tended to be uncomfortable with this verse and react so negatively to the idea of submission is because we don't really understand what it truly means to submit or because we've never really seen it lived out in a real relationship, or maybe we have seen it lived out in a real relationship, but it was done poorly and it was damaging. And so that is why I'm glad that Trisha has agreed to be up here with me this weekend, because I'm sure that some of you women, the last thing you want to do is hear another guy speak on this topic of what you should do or shouldn't do. And so I'm going to ask Trisha to help me with that. And so uh, the, the very first question I'm going to ask her is when you hear that word submit, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, honestly, the word submit or submission doesn't always sit well with me. You know, I, I think I have a hard time thinking about it when I think about my daughters. You know, I want, I want them to be strong and confident. And I want them to, um, you know, stand up for themselves and have a, a powerful voice in this world. And I, I feel like the, the world's view and, you know, myself and other people in here, you know, we may think of words like being a pushover or being weak or maybe it would be doing something that someone asks you to do without question. But... In actuality, submission lived out like Paul is speaking here can and should be the opposite. It's empowering. And so I think in order for us to get a real understanding of what submission does mean here, we first need to understand what submission does not mean. So the first thing is submission does not mean less value or importance. This does not mean that we as wives are inferior or second class to our husbands. You and I are equal to our husbands in value and in worth. However, while we are equal, we simply have different roles, with his role being the leader of the home. And this has, again, this has nothing to do with who is better than who, your value, or your worth. Secondly, submission does not mean being passive. You know, this does not mean that we as wives always have to agree with everything. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't have a say, that we have no identity, no initiative, no backbone. We as wives don't exist as a slave in our house to cater to our husband's every need. And, you know, in our relationship, there are times that we just don't agree. <laughs> a few. <laughs> and, you know, although I'm not an aggressive person in my personality, I, I see and feel things that Charles might not. So I'm, I'm thankful and grateful that he welcomes my opinions and my thoughts. He, he doesn't shut them down or turn away from them, but he invites them. And then the last thing, that submission does not mean submitting to your husband's sinful or abusive behavior. I wish this didn't need saying. But if, your, if what your husband is doing is, or is leading you to do is against God's word, then you are not to submit. God would never condone abuse or submission to sin. When Paul says, submit to the husband as to the Lord... That means as a way of serving God, not in the place of God. Your first allegiance is to Christ and to obey him. And if you are in this situation, your priority is safety to get help and seek counsel. 
So in a moment, I'm going to ask Trisha to share a little more of what submission does look like in practical ways in our marriages and stuff. But first, before we do that, I think it would be helpful to take a look at, at the husband's role in this, because it's, not, it's certainly not a one-sided role. Paul has some strong words for husbands, too. In fact, in the very next verse in Colossians uh, Verse 19, Paul says this. He says, Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. And in fact, it, Paul goes on in a letter to, to the Ephesians where he fills this thought in a little bit more. And he says, For husbands, this means to love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave his life up for her. This is submission. This is real submission. And it's mission, it works both ways here. It's not one-sided. In fact, when we look at this word submission, it is it's actually a military term. And it means to fill each vacancy so that every rank and file of the formation is complete and at full strength and ready to go into battle. I'm going to borrow some words from Dan Morris here. He's an attender of our church, and, and he heard we were doing this message today, so he sent me some of his thoughts, and I'm borrowing them, because in this context, a wife who is entrusting herself to her, her husband's leadership is equivalent to, to a, a, a platoon who is placing themselves under a squad leader in military terms. And here's the thing, husbands. This is to you, because a good squad leader is not domineering over his squad. A good squad leader is not shrewd to his squad. They don't lord their position over their squad. And in fact, they do the opposite. Let me share what a good squad leader does do. A good squad leader leads his team, but he knows his team. He focuses on taking advantage of each person's strengths so the team's goals are met. Trisha possesses skills and abilities and strengths that I don't possess. She's, she's excellent with details. I am not. She's great with money. I am not. She is very organized. I am not. I it would be a fool to not invite those strengths and those gifts that she possesses into our marriage. Because our marriage is better as a result of those strengths and those things that she brings. We have a better chance of success when she is bringing those to the table. We're better together. A good squad leader also doesn't act like a dictator. He's not going to squash his guys and lose out on their contributions. The team won't perform as well as it should. The same is true in our marriages. We won't be as good as we should if we are acting as a dictator. And the third thing is this. A good squad leader is responsible to his team, but never forgets that he is responsible to his own superior and his superior's goals, not his own. God, husbands, has given us this responsibility to lead our teams, but we can never, never forget who is ultimately in charge, who's the ultimate leader. Christ is our leader. He is the lead shepherd, he's the lead pastor, and he's the leader of our marriages and our relationships and our families. 
We have to look to him for direction. We need to constantly be seeking his will and his desires. And the only way we can do that, husbands, is to stay connected to him, to follow him. I'm telling you this, honestly, when I see marriages struggling, when people come into my office and they're struggling and they're falling apart, it's often because of this point, this area is neglected. Husbands and wives who are coming at each other from selfish, prideful desires and they're approaching things from opposite ends of the table. Instead of looking at what's on the table and seeking the Lord's wisdom and seeking to follow him and how to handle that together, they're coming at it from both sides. And instead, we need to keep the Lord's desires at the center. We need to seek him and keep him at his place as the leader and follow him together. Husbands, this is your responsibility to do this. That is, that is yours. A good squad leader is willing to die for his guys. He's going to rush the pillbox when guys are pinned down. He's going to stay behind to cover the pass till his team gets away. He's going to sacrifice himself to save the ones that he's responsible for. This is exactly what Paul has in mind when he tells husbands to love your wives and never treat them harshly, to love them as Christ has loved the church and Christ gave his life for her. So we husbands are to give our lives to our wives. So wives, when you see this word submit, I can, I can totally understand why you would think it's often insensitive or difficult to do. But honestly, if husbands are doing their job of what they're called to do, to be the leader of their family and they're staying close to the Lord and they're doing these things, I would hope that would make your job easier. Because husbands, as a squad leader, God calls you to the greatest standard. That is one to be called to know and love your wife in order to encourage her, in order to pull out her strengths, in order to be sensitive to her weaknesses, and and to be willing to lay your life down for your wife, to sacrifice everything and, and, and to give everything in order to make sure that she thrives both as a person and as a spouse. He's calling us, husbands, to be more like Jesus. And Jesus was the leader in submission. We do this because we ourselves, we're, we're, we're following in the footsteps of our Savior. Jesus was not only kind, he was gentle. He was unconditional in his love. He literally gave himself up and died for the people that he loved the most. Husbands, our wives deserve this in us. They deserve it. God has called us to this. It's time for us husbands to step up and be the leader in our families that our wives need and the leader that God has called us to be, it's time. So when Charles loves me like that, it makes it a whole lot easier to submit and to follow his leadership because I know he's doing it out of deepest care and love for me. And when us as women are loved and cherished like that, 
we will want to honor our husbands. And when our husbands are seeking after God and following his will, we can trust their leadership. And it's similar to how I think Jesus submitted to his father in the Garden of Gethsemane. What a powerful, power picture of true submission. Jesus was about to go to the cross to die for our sins. He recognized the pain and the agony that was ahead of him. He wrestled honestly with what it would mean to do what his father had asked him to do. And even though Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, he knew how much he was loved by his father, and he wanted to honor him. And I love the honesty of Jesus' prayer to his father that we read in Luke twenty-two forty-two. It says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. This, is, this verse is the perfect example uh, that Jesus sets for both husbands and wives. And I know many think, well, of course, this is Jesus. Of course, he's good at this. What about us? What does this look like for us on a street-level view as husbands and wives? What does it look like to follow this example that Jesus has set before us? And so maybe now we could share what it does look like to submit, what it does look like to love our wives, and maybe we could start with the wives. So submission is inviting and affirming your husband's leadership. It's saying to your husband, I want you to lead. I invite you to lead, and I want to give you that freedom. And when he does lead, it's focusing on what he's doing right and not what he's doing wrong. You know, tell him he's a hard worker, a generous giver, a good provider, an amazing father or grandfather. You know, our husbands live in a world of critics, and, you know, they often feel like a failure uh, in the workplace, home, or even in their heart. So I encourage us to not be another critic. Let's be their biggest fan, their teammate, the one who fights for them in prayer and not against them. And, and husbands, to love your wife means to encourage your wife in her strengths. Our wives are strong women who have gifts and abilities and a voice, and their opinions and their influence can push us to be better men, better husbands, but also they contribute to the health and welfare of our families spiritually, emotionally, physically. In our culture, we see culture defining strength by, by being loud or, or being uh, outspoken or fighting. But I tell you, when I see Jesus modeling strength. It's, it's, it looks totally different than that. But I see in my wife a woman who, who when she does speak, she's wise. She shows self-control. She's tactful. She's respectful. She's timely. That's what I call strength, not the opposite. Husbands, we should encourage our wives to be strong women. And in fact, I, I was remembering a time um, she probably knows the story I'm thinking. When we were recently married and, and we didn't have kids and I wanted, I wanted to buy a truck. And so we went to the car dealer. We looked all day for this truck. We drove one. We found one we liked. We were going to purchase it. We filled out paperwork. We were all ready. We spent hours with the salesman. It was the final moments uh, as we were getting ready. I just had to put my name on the dotted line, and the deal was sealed. And it was in a moment right before I did that that I remember Trisha leaning over to me gently and just saying, this doesn't feel right. 
And I tell you, you better listen. Because she confirmed in that moment something my heart was feeling, and I was just too prideful and arrogant to admit it. I was going to push through. And it was her words that said, I don't think we should do this. It doesn't feel right. And without hesitation, I remember us taking that paper and putting it in the trash and walking out. And I'm certain that salesman was angry, but it didn't matter because she was right. It wasn't the right thing to do. And the one thing I've learned in our relationship together is that Trisha doesn't often question or, or, or challenge a lot of the decisions that I've made. So when she does speak, when she does have a feeling, or when she does think something, I best better pay attention and I best better listen because what she has to say is probably has a lot of wisdom. Husbands, we must listen to our wives' words. They have wisdom. And wives, submission is showing an attitude of respect. This doesn't mean that you should not express your thoughts with your husband, but it does mean that we can say them in a respectful way. You know, nonverbal communication can be louder than any words we speak. And you know the saying, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. And this is a common phrase in our house, and unfortunately, yes. it's usually directed at me because yes. I have a tone. Yes. I don't hear it, but everybody else yes. does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm working on that. But, you know, Charles and I don't typically get into arguments where there's a lot of yelling or raised voices. Our methods of disagreeing are more um, nonverbal communication where, you know, silence can be equally as hurtful as yelling. And I remember this one time, it was a couple of years ago, I had really wanted a new mailbox post put in because I had bought this fancy reflective sign with our address numbers on it. And I thought, oh, it's look great out by the road on the new mailbox post. So it had been on his honey-do honey list for, for a while. And I remember one day coming home from work and I drove past the house into the driveway and I was like, oh, he put up the mailbox post. But I didn't want the sign on the front of the post. I wanted it on the back of the post. He had put it on the front. So I was like, oh. So I remember coming inside, walked in the door, and he was so excited. He's like, look what I did today, you know? And I was like, yeah, but you put the sign on the front, and I wanted it on the back. And, you know, I could just see his face fall because he was spending time doing something for me. He could care less what mailbox post was out there. He could care less if there was a reflective sign with our numbers. Oh, I care. <laughs> it was for me. And, you know, after I had said that, we kind of went our separate ways. He was quiet. I was quiet. And I was thinking about it, and I thought, Trisha, you are not being respectful. He had put so much time and effort into that. And instead of saying, thank you, thank you for doing that for me, and if I did want the sign on the other side, I probably could have chosen a much better way of asking if we could just switch it around instead of, you know, my tone. So, so I had to go back and I had to apologize, you know, and, and when we as wives are passive aggressive or hostile or belittling or even silent, we're communicating to our husbands that I don't respect you. And we need to learn to communicate and get our points across in a Christ-like way. 
and the same husbands. Loving our wife means entrusting her and our marriage to God. You know, we must stay close to Jesus, husbands. Ultimately, God is in charge, and we must trust him. He's the leader of our marriages, or at least should be, and we can't truly love our wives the way that they need to be loved and should be loved if we, as husbands, are not following God with our lives. Every time, every time our marriage has struggled, at least significantly, it is because I have failed in this area. I have, I have either been prideful or I thought I knew best or I was making decisions without consulting the Lord or I, I was not committing my actions to the Lord. And husbands, as the leaders, this is our responsibility and this is our calling. Christ must be the center. We have to put our energy toward following him, listening to him, serving him in all these ways. And it's only then that we can truly love our wives the way that they should be loved. And maybe one last thought before we close. Maybe you're thinking today this. What if I'm in a marriage where my husband or my wife is not upholding their end of the bargain? What am I supposed to do then? And maybe you could start us. What should a wife do? Pray. Pray for your husband. Prayer is such a powerful tool. You know, we can't change them. We only can control ourselves and our responses. And we are called by God to honor and respect and submit. And we do this not necessarily because our husbands always are always worthy or they always deserve it, but because we belong to Jesus and we want to honor him by honoring our husbands. In 1 Peter uh, 3 verses 1 and 2 it says in the same way be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior and the same husbands the same story pray for your wife pray for her often that's the most powerful weapon we possess is prayer same, we can't change them, but we can only control our own attitudes, our own actions toward them. And we need to love them the way that Jesus loved us. And he gave his life for us. So we too should give our lives for our wives, pray and stay close to the Lord through these things. And I think so often we approach marriage um, thinking that it's a 50-50 system. Well, if I give 50%, then my spouse will give 50% and we'll be at 100. But in reality, that's not true. We both need to give 100% to make the marriage work. You know, I know we're never going to be able to cover this topic in 33 minutes. Uh, there's, there's too much. We've only touched on the iceberg. And maybe you have more questions than we've had answers for. And maybe today's stirred some things up in your mind you're not quite sure what to do with. So I want to leave you just quickly with three last next steps. And maybe the first next step for you could be in, in 2020, our marriage conference. This is going to be phenomenal. Focus on the family is coming. Dr. Greg Smalley is coming. That is, that is huge to have him with us. They're going to be talking about some of the topics on the screen here. That date is in March 6th and 7th. It's at our Sandusky campus. You can sign up by texting the word marriage or by going to our website or app, any of those things. This is going to be huge. Maybe plan on coming to this. That could be a good next step. Or maybe 
It is to join our Marriage Matters. We're just beginning this, our marriage team at the chapel starting this up the third Friday of every month starting in January, where we're going to be addressing topics like communication and finances and, and uh, uh, children and all of those things uh, as part of our marriages, the third Friday of every month starting in January. Be a part of that. Or maybe it's this last one. This week, write your husband or your wife a letter. I encourage you to write that letter encouraging them, telling them where they're strong, where they're gifted, what you appreciate and need that they possess. Maybe even own some things that you're carrying yourself. Write that letter this week, give it to them, and, and just see what kind of conversations come out of that together. I want to encourage you with that, and I want to leave us with just a prayer for our, our relationships as we pray together as you go. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you designed this. This is yours, and not only did you design it, but you showed us perfectly what this looks like. You loved so incredible. You submitted so well. Lord, may we be more like you in our relationships. Lord, give us strength. Uh, in times when, when we struggle with this. And Lord, keep us unified through all these things to help us to continue to look for you for leadership and guidance. We love you and we trust you and we give these marriages and relationships to you now, Lord Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen.